Hi listener, quick note from me Frank before this episode begins. I'm recording this after we recorded this, but just to let you know, we didn't yet know when the Kickstarter of the game we're talking about in this episode would go live when we recorded it, so there's a little bit of confusion in the episode, but we still wanted to get something out. And we now know that that Kickstarter is going live on the 23rd of March, which is, I think, a week from when the episode goes up. I need to check my days. And also, there's a VIP pin club that is going up before the Kickstarter, so have a look in the episode description if you want to get involved in that. There's a link to that, and the makers of Warn Wanderers have been really kind to let us know about that. So it is something you pay, but you get an exclusive pin that won't come out until set two. This won't make much sense to you because you don't know what game I'm talking about really yet, so have a listen to the episode, and we hope you like it. Thanks, bye! Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game, and sometimes other games too. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing really, really good. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing really well as well. I'm quite excited. I'm quite sort of um, energetic today. Just a bit of a surprise. Yeah? What's what's the occasion? Just... I don't know. That new step? Pep in my step, exactly. Excited to be recording. That sort of thing. Big slurp of water. So, yeah, what are we talking about today? Peter? Well, let me tell you a story first. <laughs> mm, okay. Um, so, so what we're doing is uh, we're talking about a game which is launching on Kickstarter from mm. some friends of friends, I guess. <laughs> a while ago, okay. I, did, I did some work with a lady called Kim Breeze, who runs the tabletop rebels uh youtube page uh she's got a couple of uh podcasts as well the latest one is called bored out of my mind and that's getting a game idea from your head onto the table Uh, she's got a load of like board game content she does across various bits and bobs anyway she had a group of friends who run cleromancy games cleromancy games Mm mm-hmm do you want to explain what claromancy means? This the cat seems like it's yeah. You know what? I was just thinking. Oh my goodness! I have no idea what that means. What is claromancy? <laughs> Claro of... something, something about clerics. Are you looking it up? Claromancy is a form of sortition, the casting of lots, in which an outcome is determined by means that are normally would be considered random, such as the rolling of dice, which is a stragglomancy, but they are sometimes believed to reveal the will of a deity. Oh. Well, okay. there we go. It could be. So I guess it cleric. could be like the throwing of bones as well. It's divination by lots. Interesting. Okay. There we go. Well, there we are. Good name for a game company. A, a, a fantastic name for a game company. And they got in touch and they are working on a new game called Worn Wanderers. Mm-hmm. That's worn as in something you wear, W-O-R-N. Mm-hmm. Wanderers mm-hmm. being someone who wanders around. Yeah. And it's a collectible... It's a kind of light deck building, two player dueling game, collectible. Yeah, <laughs> throw all just, of the buzzwords out there. I yeah. did, yeah, yeah. But yeah. The, the the cool niche is that it's wearable, so that the yeah. the characters are in the form of pin badges that you can wear, put on your bag, do whatever, and mm-hmm. you build the decks directly 
onto the pins that you wear of the of, mm-hmm. of the characters you're wearing, which is a really yeah. cool idea. And if if a similar idea exists, I am not aware of it. But I was surprised when they explained it to me. I was like, oh, that sounds like just a great idea for a game. <laughs> it's mm, like a kind mm-hmm. of the, the dream of the anime protagonist going out in the world and, and battling people you meet using your decks. Yeah. And straight straight away, it's reminding me of with Arkham and then more particularly with Marvel Champions, that idea of like when you're building a deck, it's centered around your champion. They contribute cards to it. But this is like, no, 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 let's take it a step further the cards are literally attached to your champion pin. Yes. They're like they're so they're so attached that it is literal. It is a physical attachment. It's not just that oh you need to run these cards. It's like they're pinned together. So yeah, it's kind of kind of a cool concept. I remember you messaging me about it. You've been like it's so weird but also so cool. Like so strange, I think to have a card game that isn't about have you brought a play mat? Do we have a table? You could just have them pinned to you. Yeah. So we got in touch with them, or they got in touch with us. They're actually fans of Arkham as well and have have listened to our podcast, I believe. So it was lovely to chat to them. What they've done is they've sent us a copy of the game, like a a trial version of the game on Tabletop Simulator. Mm -hmm. And they asked us to have a play and then share thoughts about it. So we did that. Ahead of Um, them launching their Kickstarter, which is coming later this month. So full disclosure, we're recording this at the very end of February 2023. We believe the Kickstarter is going live in March 2023, and we'll put this live when Claromancy give us the thumbs up. So it might be that the Kickstarter is already live, or just before it goes live, or something like that. It won't go up after the Kickstarter's been and gone, that would be a shame. (laughs) (laughs) But it might be before, or it might be at the same time as and we'll include links below in the description if you want to go and look at this for yourself yeah absolutely and, and just to be clear we're, we're not we haven't been paid by them to to make any content for them and then they haven't sent us any product uh, mm. so this is our honest thoughts on the game after having played it a handful of times on tabletop simulator mm. and yeah i think like we'll also say we haven't played what will be the final version of the game yeah there were some differences in the copy of the rulebook we had with the tabletop simulator version, and so we kind of filled in some of the gaps ourselves and mm-hmm. had a chat mm-hmm. with the, the team afterwards. And they, we got some stuff right, we got some stuff wrong, <laughs> but I think we we got a really good picture of how the game plays um, in our in our sessions, didn't we, Frank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just reflecting on that. We played multiple games, so it wasn't like we hit a snag in the rules and we're like, well, this is broken, we're done. It was more just, you know, around the edges. Oh, I think the rules as written say this, but it seems like we should be doing it this way or that way, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I think that's always the risk of playing a game that's still in development. You might come across those those oddities, I suppose. We used our good sense, hopefully our good sense, to get through them. (laughs) So let's, should should we talk about how the game plays first? To give people an idea. Mm, yeah, I think that's a good idea. To quickly recap the rules. Should we do that? Mm. Yeah. So uh, the best thing to do is probably to, to, to look up Claromancy games and see how the pins are laid out. Because that mm-hmm. will make a lot of kind of intuitive sense when you've when you've seen what they look like. Um, mm. But if I was to mm. describe them, they're, they're kind of a large circular metal pin with, I think they're like long rectangular cards they might change yeah. the design i've seen lots of prototypes of different design and they mm-hmm. fit on the back of the pin so that they're protruding 
at either end from the pin. Mm, mm-hmm. So it's like a kind of no entry sign or like a London Underground sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got the, the circular pin at the front and then the long, thin card at the back. But they go behind the pin in a stack of four cards mm-hmm. so that they can be individually rotated. Yeah. And the way the game works is that you alternate making attacks against your opponent's pins. So you, mm-hmm. you lay out your team, which can be six pins or four pins, each pin representing a character. Yeah. You take it in turns, you attack one of their pins, they attack one of your pins. And it's a really straightforward resolution. It's just a comparison of attack power and defense on each of the cards. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you deal damage simultaneously. So if you deal enough damage to kill them, you rotate the top card 90 degrees. And if they also deal enough damage to defeat you, you do the same. You rotate the top card of your, your pin 90 degrees mm-hmm. to reveal mm-hmm. the one beneath. And then exactly. you work your way through it like that. Yeah. So when we were talking about sort of like the characters, each pin is a character and they each have their own micro deck of four cards. So straight away, there's a decision making aspect to it of, right, here are my four characters, my four pins. Which one of these do I want to get to hit one of your four and why? And I guess an element that's worth acknowledging of those four cards, the first card is a level one card. The second card is a level two card. The third card is a level three card. And then the fourth card is a loot card, which we'll talk about later on in this. So straight away, what you might see at the start, okay, well, that character looks pretty strong. You don't know what their level two and level three are underneath. That's right. So there's a a, a degree of the gameplay is obviously in sort of good target selection, but then also in maybe trying to work out, well, hang on, if I maybe sacrifice this character i know that my level two card for this character is quite good so i'm gonna i'm gonna let them lose their level one card because i want to get the level two online or or whatever it is like that so a lot of like enjoyable decision making around some of it is just around favorable trading and then more of it i think is around the depth of what the characters are concealing and what their little mini decks are like yeah and and the the main kind of variation on the basics is that the cards can have a keyword either on the offense or on the defense or both yeah and those those keywords like represent special abilities which are which are all like basic but there is kind of a good number of them so Mm -hmm. like a ranged character will deal damage before the opponent's character so yeah. you might survive a hit that would otherwise kill you. Or there's a guard keyword so that you can redirect an attack that's that's mm-hmm. coming to mm-hmm. an adjacent character, that kind of thing. So they yeah. provide the kind of the, the main wrinkles in the strategy. And like they're attached to individual cards as well. And I really like that they're on they can be separate on offense and defense. So you might get a character who's like offensively strong but defensively weak. So you want to get your swing in and first and kill them. <laughs> Yeah, a really good example of that is the combo keyword. Yes. So you can have combo power or combo health. And what combo means is when you use that card, you get to add the health or power, depending on what the keyword says, of an adjacent character to yours. But yeah. you can have that on offense or defense. So yeah. you could have someone who, when they attack, they get to grab the attack value of an adjacent character to attack with, which is amazing. But then on defense, maybe they get health from an adjacent character or vice versa. So suddenly there's, again, like these lovely wrinkles of, okay, hang on, that's actually a really threatening card. There was one you had, what did it have? It had 
combo health on defense, and then it had something fairly scary on attack as well. Was it like it, it was? was like, it was like twenty attack and then one defense. Yeah, but with like combo, combo health, health on defense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, man, I need to kill this twenty attacker, and it's only got one health, so I should sacrifice something in. That seems like a, a no-brainer, but it's got combo health on it, so actually it's it's drawing on the health of an adjacent character as well. So then there's this whole extra element of it of which of your characters do you prioritize? Which of yours is in my opponent's characters? Do I prioritize in killing yeah, yeah. because they might be themselves combo pieces enabling other characters? You gave that example of the guard character. Yeah. Guard seems to be a really strong keyword for like controlling who gets hit. Yeah. So having to kill the guard first is really important. And then finally, the way you win is that mm. the final card in each deck is a loot card, which is a, a value of two, three, or four currently. Mm. You, across your six characters, you have to have two twos, two threes, two fours. Mm. I, I think, anyway, I think we. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the areas that the, the rules have changed slightly from the version we had. So, so, so those values you've got some, and you you have to uncover a number of loot tokens equal to twice the number of fighters you're using, mm. uh, twice the number of pins you're using. So there's this really great like meta game of what character behind what characters have I put what value power, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and one of our games ended with you like having to gamble like I could swing in an attack, I know that the power I've got. Uh, the loot at the bottom of this deck is not enough for you to win. However, if I don't get enough from the one I'm about to reveal, then you can swing back, kill someone else, and then win the game. <laughs> yes. So yeah, there was a great was really... like, risk-reward there. And also, like, a kind of bluffing game of how have I laid out my pins, where mm. where the loot is, what characters do I want you to attack, what characters do I think you're, think- you're thinking I've put the high values behind. Mm. It was a deceptively intricate, maybe not intricate. I think like the very basics was were, were super easy to grasp, and if you just mm-hmm. read the rule book, you'd be thinking a bit like, "Oh, well, there's not that much meat to the game." But actually, a lot of mm-hmm. it comes out in the kind of the 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 creation of the decks on each of your characters, and even then, the layout of how you position your characters. Yeah. Well, let me elaborate that. So when you have when you build your characters, you create six, and yeah. you lay them out in two columns of three so you've got a two by three grid this was obvious in my head (laughs) yeah and of course this is where the worn concept kicks in because if you were playing just if this was just a card game yeah you just lay them out on the table this is my six this is yours two two grids of two by three but obviously imagine that you're wearing it on i don't know a lanyard or on a bag because you're you know maybe you've got a an Arkham deck box that you attach it to or an Arkham bag or something like that. Mm. You can imagine, you know, that I, what they're really pitching in, the, in what we've read about it is it's the kind of thing that you might wear while walking around in a convention. So you can see these pins, they're visible. Anyway, with that grid of two by three, you've got your loot hidden underneath them. So your deck is already made. And when you play someone, between you, you decide, are we going to play 6v6? Or are we going to play top four v top four or bottom four v bottom four? So you can Mm. essentially eliminate the top two pins or the bottom two pins. And with that, you could be eliminating your two high value loot four cards. Although that seems like quite a gamble to have hidden both of them. You know, it's just a third of the time, basically, they'd be safe. (laughs) But yeah, that's where the positioning you've got your 
you've got two positional elements. You've got where have you positioned your loot, so who, which are your sort of high priority targets, and then also you've got how am I positioning these six characters to make sure that their abilities interact. So, like I said with combo, if you've set up a character who's going to be comboing off adjacent characters, you want to make sure that you've put them in a place where they have people to combo off, so probably a middle row. Yeah, yeah. Or if you're relying on them comboing off a character in the top row and your opponent says, let's play bottom four, it's like, oh, that doesn't work. So there's like, yeah, like you said, it reading the rules, the rule book we read was just eight pages long, very simple. Mm-hmm. But then the the sophistication comes in with things like positioning and like the sort of, yeah, the different layers of elaboration about things like that. Given the rules as they are now, you're almost certainly in a 4v4 game going to need to kill, well, you will need to kill minimum two of your opponent's characters. And that's if you get very lucky and hit both four loot cards. So it's probably you're eliminating three quarters of them. And a lot of the attacks I felt like were one-for-one trades. So I have an 8-8, you have an 8-8. They hit each other, they both die two of our characters go to level two and then part of the game felt like looking for those moments where it's like oh i can steal a card here yes. i can kill one of yours without you hitting me back yeah or yeah. particularly some of that there's an ability poison which is as long as it does a single damage it kills the opponent so it's like okay well, how do i how do i hit a poison target where the poison is going to survive so then i can use poison again things like that added a, a real air of kind of planning and tactics that i really enjoyed yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You can you can like go in if you go in hard on fewer characters. Mm-hmm. Your opponent might then have more smaller characters. It's still a kind of full health, mm-hmm. but if you spread your attacks around, they'll have more higher power characters. Or you know, if you're not spreading your attacks, you unveil their higher power characters earlier in the game as well. So mm-hmm. again, yeah, I just think there was a lot of like nice little nice little touches like that. Yeah, I think there was a moment in the first game where I'd killed the level one on all four of your characters. Yeah, I think that was right. And you'd killed one of my characters. Yeah, yeah. So I'd done four damage, I'd killed four level ones, and you'd done three and killed a character. But that meant I had then three level one characters looking across the table at four level two characters, which was really daunting. The step up from one to two and then two to three felt quite intimidating. It was quite a skip like, oh, I've really missed messed this up. I've gone for like the easy kills at low level and what I've basically done is power up your board for you. And you then were just like absolutely smashing me. So yeah, there's a a degree of sort of tactical gameplay there as well. And again, the word that comes to mind is favourable trading and are, are you gaining an advantage this turn that's actually handing the advantage to your opponent on future turns. Yeah, yeah. So we've described how it plays. Oh, I guess a couple of other things to note. A game lasts maybe 10 minutes. Yeah. Once you know how to play. It's very, very brief. So again, that idea of like, are you in a break between other games and you just want to jam something? Definitely you can do that. And then the other element as well is all of the, there's no other tokens involved. So if you hit a character and you don't kill it, you don't leave damage on it. There's That's no right. other tokens or anything like that. Again, I think by virtue of the fact that it's a worn game, you can't be like, oh, can you can you pin these uh, 15 damage tokens, please, to yeah. your third character? It's just like either you hit and kill or if one of you doesn't do enough damage to match the health of the opponent, nothing happens. And, and no randomness either, aside from determining who goes first. 
So it's everything mm. is fixed. There's no random resolution. Yes. Oh wow! Apart from Outwit, right? Uh, well, it's not really random. No, it's, it's the really same random. as Psy Games and Net Netrunner, yeah. isn't it? That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Won't explain what Outwit is. Would you just very briefly deck building as well? That there are factions. Mm. So there's five colors. Seven. Six, seven. Seven colors. Seven. Um, does that include neutral? No, not including neutral. There's black, white, purple, red, blue, green, yellow. Seven. Okay. And then there's also neutral. And then the the, the 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 there's like a series of pips on the front of your character that that tell you what the uh, factions allow for that character are. Um, don't, yeah. I, I won't spend that in depth because it's a bit. It's not fiddly. It makes sense when you look at it. Um, but yeah. I think it's that important. Well, I actually do explain it because it's a bit like Arkham. <laughs> okay. It's worth it, yeah. So well, like, so the pips, there are four circles on the front of each character. So the yeah. pips might be two blue, two yellow. And what that means is that uh, the character can have maximum two blue cards and maximum two yellow cards. But your deck is only three. So yes. in that character's choices, because they can't have three of each, they're going to have at least one blue and at least one yellow. And then Unless... They yeah. go all neutral. Unless they go all neutral, yeah. It's probably yeah. Not, not a great way to build your deck. So that where that matters for the gameplay is I look across at your pins and I see that you've got two white and two red characters as your level one. But I can then actually see on the front of the pins, like for instance, one of your characters only has a single white pip. So they're only allowed one white card. So I know that the cards underneath that are not going to be white. So yeah, that adds again a, a, a wrinkle to the deck building that it's not simply, well, I have no idea what I'm playing against. It, I guess, would reward us playing a lot more and knowing what what each faction does and then being like, okay, so that character that's red and white, you're starting with white, which means they're going to turn into maybe red or maybe neutral. And what does red do? Okay, I can start to get a sense of what your setup might be. So yeah, like again, a lot of room for kind of creativity and exploration where it's similar to arkham i think is the um the five two split for lots of investigators where just because i'm seeing an investigator you know joe diamond guardian seeker five two you can build an almost entirely guardian deck for joe and the front of the card doesn't necessarily dictate that there's a lot of freedom within the the deck building to how your your investigator ends up and it's the same in worn wanderers i think yeah bro bro yeah, just very briefly, I'll talk about distribution as well, because it is a okay. random... <laughs> there is, like, a random distribution. Okay. Sorry, uh, the P Peter... <laughs> Peter distribution Peter methods. Peter topic, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm interested in this, because I saw that you were chatting to the designers about it, and I wasn't as involved in that conversation, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, please. So, so the, there are random boosters, uh, which may or may not turn some people off. Mm -hmm. People might like that, people might not like that. There's two starter set options, each with six characters. Uh, I mean, this is all uh, like pre-release stuff, so obviously this this might change. The Kickstarter, yeah. when it launches, is going to have the most up-to-date information from the designers. But from what I understand, there's a Might of the Wild starter set, which has four of the colours in, and then a Legacy of Power, which, oh, blue is the colour that overlaps between those two sets as well. And they okay. have... Those two sets have a fixed a fixed set of cards available, and additional cards so that you can do deck building out of the out of the starter sets. And then there's beyond those twelve characters, there's another eighteen characters, 
available in booster packs, which have okay. a random character and then seven random cards in them. I think on the, the mod there was a pool of 120 cards. Yeah, that sounds about right. No, it I must d- be more than that, because I think each faction had 21 cards. Oh, maybe there was then. Maybe, maybe I didn't see all... We didn't see any rarity, did we, across the cards? No, we didn't. So we don't know what the... Within those, you know, a booster pack having a pin and then seven cards, we don't know if there's any kind of rarity hunting or, you know, either rarity for pins or rarity for for cards. So that's... that's Yeah, that is interesting. And I think, like, the pins, are, if you like pins as well, they're kind of quite nice things to have so it's like a you've seen those like lego minifig collectibles yeah it's like a kind of while it is a is a game and you do get cards there is like a a, kind of collector's appeal to them as well if Mm. like the art and the theming is something that appeals to you yeah yeah art style for the pins is very cartoonish art the setting is i guess fantasy it's a post-apocalyptic fantasy i believe the Characters all have names. They have cartoonish style. There's a one character that looks very much like a Darkest Dungeon character, but it's much <laughs> kind of warmer in art style than a game like Darkest Dungeon. The The cards themselves didn't have any art, did they? They're just they're quite small, and they have the, the health and power and maybe a keyword written on them. So Yeah, we noticed that some of them had descriptions this is something we didn't ask actually mm. they did have they mm. did have descriptions on them as to like what the attack is but not all of them in fact mm. small, only a small mm-hmm. fraction of them had that so maybe that's just kind of later in the pipeline yeah yeah it's it's a nice quality of life improvement to to label the cards so that when i look across and you've got that 8 8 character instead of it just being 8 8 it's you know called solid bulwark or whatever and you're like oh okay yeah and you can rather than it becoming simply a game of my six six hits your five five you die you're actually describing what's happening a bit more so if they add that that will be a really nice addition i would say for the flavor of the game you know given the given the virtues of the game as something that you wear something you're playing quickly i don't know if that's necessarily vital yeah yeah funnily enough gloomhaven the new, you know, Frosthaven now has uh, titles on the monster ability cards telling you what the ability is. Oh, yeah. Which is, it, it doesn't make any difference in terms of mechanical gameplay, but is such a huge improvement for what you're doing mm, because it gives you a name to call out, like even the plus zero, plus zero, you know, plus zero move, plus zero attack, that's yeah. often called nothing special. <laughs> so you can say, oh, I'm doing the, nothing special. You know, <laughs> These ones are doing nothing special, yeah. and you can call out what the enemies are doing, and it it creates story at the table, which I really like. And you start to then know what the attacks are based on their names. So you say, oh, the cultists are doing their... And you name it rather than having to come up with your own name. That, that explodey thing they do, it's like, oh, the cultists are... I can't remember what the cultist card is. Bad example, but yeah, <laughs> you start to you then you can call it out across the table, basically. So yeah, I like I like having names on cards for that reason. Yeah. What vibes were we getting from this game as we were playing it? Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, you mentioned some games in particular. Do you want to mention those? Yeah, sure, sure. So I mean, the the one that actually stood out stood out the strongest for me was Soulforge Fusion, 
which has been on Kickstarter and I think is now reaching people's homes. Soulforge Fusion is a game a little bit like Keyforge with algorithmically generated decks. But yeah. the neat feature of Soulforge Fusion is when you play a card, you don't discard that card. You actually put into your discard pile the level two version of that card and your deck loops fairly quickly. Your deck is only 20 cards and you get five per hand, so it loops quickly. And so when your deck loops, you then don't have the level one card, you have the level two. And when you play the level two card, the level three goes into your discard pile and loops as well. So lots of what I've said about Worn Wanderers, about planning which characters you're going to play, how you're going to hit them and ending up with them leveled up. I've had the exact same thing happen for me in Soulforge Fusion games where I'm looking across the board and my opponent has a load of level threes and I'm still with a handful of level ones and twos. And I'm like, how's this happened? I've worked quite hard to play random things early on and they've just focused on leveling up specific cards and they're now looking really threatening and I'm wondering where the game's gone. So yeah, very similar thing, I think, between Soulforge and this. Although one of the great challenges of Soulforge is you have to have the pile of level twos and level three cards next to you to put in your discard pile yeah, in the yeah. physical game. So yeah, I, I think that was in it. And then I've mentioned favourable trading a bit. If you've played Hearthstone or Legends of Terror or even Duelist, and Duelist actually is a really good comparison because there's also like a positional element to duelist because it's playing on the board there's a bit of a positional element to this yeah but you get that similarly with hearthstone where if you play uh the minions called taunt minions rather than guard you know you can play minions that protect other minions so there's there's a similar thing i guess going on here what i felt like with worn wanderers was it wasn't trying to reinvent concepts like favorable trading or trading up and keywords it was just doing those things well and simply enough for it to be a a small simple game but well enough to demonstrate to me that the designers understood those concepts and were using them in a way that wasn't overwhelming particularly level one cards didn't seem to have many keywords so we weren't looking at each other's pins going oh my goodness what does that do what does that do it was you start out where it's just about the numbers And then as you reveal cards, there are maybe some more keywords that come into play, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. You you actually mentioned Gwent as well, which is nice. Mm -hmm. You played a lot more Gwent than I have. I mainly played it in The Witcher. You played Gwent standalone. Yes, yeah. yeah. But the idea of, like again, the positioning and the trade, while it's not exactly trading in Gwent, you know, you sort of trade cards, don't you? Yes, um, you yeah. decide when you want to stop trading or what's a favourable trade in terms of what your opponent's played. Yes, yeah. And the idea that not just bigger numbers are better, you need some of those skills in there to to nullify opposing effects and also to kind of multiply the effect of your own cards as well. It felt kind of a little bit Gwentish. Mm-hmm. Particularly when we'd unveiled to a situation where you had a lot of combo, it felt like your cards were all protecting each other and my cards had started with some quite high numbers and then I didn't feel like I had any follow-through I thought that was really striking so there's another keyword that's that's kind of cool in this way that's pierce and pierce if you kill if you've got pierce attack if you kill your opponent with the attack any leftover damage goes on to the next card yes so you're gambling that the next card will have combined health equal to the first card 
lower than your Pierce value so you can yeah, kill both yeah. in one go. Like that's <laughs> yeah, the gamble. Yeah. You don't necessarily know. But again, I think with knowledge of the game, maybe you'd see a knowledge of the factions like, ooh, what faction we noticed was it yellow that had quite low health? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And red had some lower health ones as well. So you might see from the pin, like, oh, this person might have red for cards two and three because of the pin uh, deck building. I'm going to hit them with my pierce. We're definitely going to trade one to one, but maybe I'll pick off another card underneath that and that will feel amazing. So, yeah, there's a, a lovely element there. Yeah, I basically, I think think it's it's fascinating to me that it reminded me... I mean, a, a lot of those digital card games I mentioned are drawing on things like magic. So, you know, obviously there's a well-worn track here. Yeah, but yeah. But to play in that area and do it in a way that felt like... I understood where I was at and it wasn't trying to overcomplicate things. I feel like I've often come across other card games, digital or otherwise, that have tried to complexify. And the real skill, I think, is in decomplexifying and just yeah. saying, look, it's, <laughs> here you go, it's simple. Yeah. So yeah. That, was, that was really nice. So, yeah, that that's that's Worn Wanderers, I guess, certainly <laughs> at, at, at this point. Um, if people are interested, there is a website... I think it's just warnwanderers.com. We'll put something in the in the description. And there's a mailing list you can sign up for there, which will uh, alert you when the Kickstarter goes live, mm-hmm. if it's something mm-hmm. you're interested in. And yeah, yeah I guess You can also go on thing. Kickstarter and click the alert me when this goes live uh, button, if that's your jam. There's definitely a link to the Kickstarter on their website as well. Great. They're, it's not like they're thinking about bringing it to Kickstarter. They are. It's just a matter of when. So, yeah. Yeah, and just what I really felt talking about it again was excited by the concept and the concept, again, like the simplicity and then the layers of depth hidden within that is what's appealing. It's that nice feeling of when you tear into something. Sometimes when something seems simple to grasp, it's like, okay, is that all there is? But I think actually with this, there's an, enough to be like, okay, we've got the basic gameplay loop down. And then we, within three games, we're sort of starting to be more strategic. I'm going to take that one out. Oh, I know that's dangerous. Okay, I think this is the right early gameplay. Whatever it is, that stuff came quite naturally. And I think that's a really good sign. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I remember reading the rule book and thinking, oh, I don't know how much there is to this. But then being mm. very pleasantly surprised, surprised when we actually actually played. And any connections to Arkham, you know, similarities to Arkham that you wanted to mention at this point? Any apologies you want to make to our listeners about not talking about Arkham in an Arkham-related <laughs> podcast? No, never apologise. Double down. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be joining us on our new Worn Wanderers. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I guess the lesson is always being able to put into oh, what's what's the my words are escaping me i was gonna like put un- into words the thought <coughs> you're having is that the lesson <laughs> understand what the, the the usefulness or the the, the resources of, of the card you're dealing with mm-hmm. uh what is this card most useful for in the in the context of the game that we're playing now yeah. is this is it actually just a blocker <laughs> even if it's got a, a high offensive value can it be better used to forward my game plan right right now by doing something else and i think that that's a it's a it's a really good lesson to take forward into arkham mm. you know i might have my power you know what you know sometimes you just gotta commit that go and pocket watch for the one yeah. wild icon haven't yeah. you yeah <laughs> 
funnily enough, I thought of another Arkham card, another road card, in fact, as we were playing. And it's like that. Maybe I'm just saying the same thing you're saying, but with different words. You've got four resources. You can play Intel Report for two clues. Do you need to right now? Yeah, and you know it's the, it's that context evaluation, isn't it? Like, yeah, you can buy two clues here, but this is a two shroud location, and we know locked doors in the deck, and we know there's a five shroud location, so maybe that's one that you sit on, and we yeah. f- maybe go through a bit more labour now to get clues the hard way because down the line that's going to help. And I guess. I guess that's the favourable trading of Arkham, isn't it? How much the card is worth four resources and a card for two clues, but how much is it worth in the moment? How much is it worth in terms of advancing you? Are they the two clues you need to be able to advance this turn and you can get them action one? Maybe it's suddenly worth it. Are they actually, you've already got the clues you need for the act threshold and you just want to play the card because that will feel good? Maybe hold on. You know, all of that sort of thing I think is is in the mix here. It's a similar similar vibe for me. Yeah, yeah. No, agree. Really agree. Frank, favourable trading, Brinkley. Yeah. <laughs> okay, bro. Well, let, let's let's leave it there. We'll put all the links in the description as discussed, and I think join us next time for more regularly scheduled Arkham content. Yeah, we've got plenty coming up. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Thanks very much for listening. Bye.